Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah classes, and thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Okay, moving on to the third section of Parsha's Pinchas now. We're going to have three main sections here in this third section, three parts. First part, beginning at Shlishi, so can tell us that the Jews who were counted yesterday of all the other Shvatim other than Levi, which we'll get to momentarily, they will be the ones that the land will be divided amongst. Rashi explains that this, not, this uh, division was very unique. What happened was that the people who were counted here, that were above 20 during this count, each one of them got a portion in the land. The Shvatim that were larger got more space and the ones that were smaller got less space. Once the people that were counted in this final generation that were going to go into the land were counted, those people received one portion. It was flipped back based on the number of Yotze Mitzrayim. So as Rashi illustrates, that means that if you had two brothers that left Mitzrayim, one brother had three children, one brother had one child. So what would happen was the three children would get three portions, the one child would get one portion. That would flip back to the parents, the two brothers, and then it would be divided up amongst them, and then it would settle amongst the two uh, brothers and their descendants equally. This was a very unique count where, or nachala in the sense that the live people in a certain way bequeath to the dead and then back to them, where usually the way inheritance works is the opposite, the dead bequeath to the living. In addition, Rashi says there was a Ruach HaKodesh element to this in which Elazar HaKohen was to proclaim the Shevet and the borders that the Shevet would inherit. And then there was a Goral, a lot, which had the 12 Shvatim and the 12 borders. And then they would choose one, the Nasi of the Shevet would choose his Two, two, two of those things, one which said the name of the Shevet on it, and one which dictated the border, and then the Goral would, would call out on its own, this is how it's meant to be, and it would match up. So this was certainly done, Apirach HaKodesh as well. The Pesukim go on to explain that the portion of late Levim were also counted, but they were counted separately, as we've seen uh, previously in the Torah, from 30 days and up, as opposed to 20 years and up, as the Jews were counted, the Levium did not get a portion in the land. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute when I finish the recap, because there's a very interesting and curious note that needs to be mentioned here. Now, the people, most the entire generation, received inheritance based on this lottery, as would happen in the future. The only ones who wouldn't was Kalev and Yoshua, as their portions had already been determined, and they were the last ones to exist from that prior generation that was entirely wiped out. The second section here that the Pesukim talk about, it, beginning with Perek Chavzayin, is the story of the Benos Slavchad. The Benos Slavchad were descendants of Menashe, descendants of Yosef, and they didn't have any brothers. So they came in front of Moshe and Elazar saying the following argument. They said, if we're significant in terms of Yerusha, so then we should inherit land in place of the fact that we don't have any brothers. If we're not, so then our mother should do Yibum, and then we should at least have some inheritance that remains in the family. So this was a tremendous thing, and Moshe didn't know the answer to this, which Rashi learns may have been a punishment because he took a certain uh, 
stature when he said earlier in the Torah that the difficult judgments will be brought in front of him and only the lower ones brought in front of the other Sanhedrin, the lower Sanhedrins. So he brought the matter in front of Hashem and indeed, as she tells us, it was written in front of Hashem Bamarom that that is the halacha if there's no boys in a family, the girls actually will be the next in line of inheritance, which would create an issue, as we'll learn about later, because then if they inherit and then their sons and brothers are of a different shevet, their sons and husbands are of a different shevet, the nachala will transfer out, which we'll learn more about that later. But there is a concept of inheritance that has to do with the daughters, and uh, they were worthy of a portion in the land. Final point over here, the psukim tell us that Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu to ascend to Har Ha'avarim and look at the land that he's going to give to the Jewish people. Moshe starts to feel confident, Rashi says, for a number of reasons. Either since he was commanded in terms of the division of the land, so he thought maybe Hashem removed his shvua that he made because of the story with Meimariva, or as we've already entered part of the land, the portion of God and um, the portion of Reuven and God, maybe he'll allow me to go in and nullify his shvua, but ultimately Hashem tells him, I made a shvua against you, you're not allowed to go into the land because of the story of Meimariva, and you're not going to go in, and we're actually going to stop here at Perik Havzai and Pasuk Yedale. Tomorrow we'll pick up with this conversation where Moshe requests to know who the leader is going to be the successor, and we'll speak more about that tomorrow. But I just want to point out one nekuda, which I think... There must be some explanation for this. I don't have that yet. But uh, if anybody wants to reach out to me, that would be great. Rashi notes that when it talks about the counting of Shevet Levi, it's Perek Havav, Pasuk Samach Beis. The Pasuk says something very strange. It says, kudem esrim alef, elef. There were 23,000 from Shevet Levi. Kol famala. Any male 30 days and up was counted. Now these words are strange. Ki lo haspakdu for they were not counted amidst the regular Jewish people. For they were not given portion of the land amongst the Jewish people. So Rashi comes and he explains, They were not counted like B'nai Yisrael in the sense that they weren't counted from 20 years and up. Because they didn't receive a portion of the land. Says Rashi, and those counted, from 20 years and up, those were only those that would receive a portion in the land. As the Pasuk says, Rashi seems to be saying here, the Pasuk is illustrating the fact that those who were counted from 20 years and up were only those that would receive a portion in the land. Since Levi was not to receive a portion in the land, they were not counted from 20 years and up, rather they were counted from 30 days and up, which seems to imply that there's a relationship between receiving a portion in the land and therefore being counted from 20 years and up. And since Levi didn't receive a portion, they were counted from 30 days and up. What is the relationship between receiving a portion in the land and therefore being counted from 20 years and up, and Levi, since they didn't, they only are counted from 30 days and up. I think there's some, probably some idea that emerges from here, but with this we will finish. Everyone have a great day.